Blue Wire. Here's Thielen wide open. Touchdown, Minnesota. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. That's for Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. Did he catch that? That's the touchdown catch of the year. Antonio Brown goes up and gets it. Touchdown. Welcome to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. Uh, if you're not following me on Twitter already, follow me at Eric underscore Crocker. That's my private page. And uh, also follow the Press Coverage Twitter account at Press Cov Podcast. Um, tons of content. I've, I've been getting some pretty cool followers on there, uh, pretty cool people to interact with. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. You know, I, I post gifts. I love all the interaction. Um, I, I am one person that I, I feel like I'm always learning. So, uh, you know, I'll post a tweet and somebody else might see it a different way. And I'm open to that. I'm open to that dialogue. So uh, as long as you guys just be respectful. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, man, uh, follow, the, follow the Press Coverage Podcast. Tons of gifts that I put out. Just good football stuff, and I think today when I get done recording this right now, so by the time you guys hear this, I should have um, gifts up of the the battle between Amari Cooper and Marshawn Lattimore. I, I think that was a good one from Sunday Night Football. All right, but uh, shoot, let's jump right into this episode. First thing I want to talk about, and I, I got asked this question last night from uh, let me let me let me find exactly who it was. Let's see, let's see, let's see if I can find it. I get a lot of mentions. So, all right, fantasy football stoner. <laughs> um, in his uh, his Twitter avi is uh, it looks like a sloth, but like a a joint or something in his mouth. But uh, fantasy football uh, stoner. He he basically asked me, um, do I lean more towards analytics or the eye test? And I think one common theme you'll see is. The, the people that, and this is just from what I've noticed, all right? I, I could be wrong. But the people that actually, like, played the game, I think they lean more towards the eye test because they've seen all of the exceptions. Um, I think the people that maybe didn't play as much, you know, or maybe at, like, you know, a higher level, I think they lean more on analytics. Now, th- th- this is just my opinion, but I think analytics – does put certain things into perspective. So I, I don't think that that's um, the, 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 I'm not saying that is wrong. I'm not saying analytics are wrong. Um, I do think, you know, I get certain numbers from analytics. I, I think you can get the average, right? You can get the average or what happens a lot of the time from analytics. Now, I, I still go off the eye test. I use analytics to kind of back what I, what I think I'm seeing. And if there is something that I'm questioning, then I guess I, from there, I'll kind of let the analytics kind of help me, right? And and that kind of tells me if something carries over. So, so for example, all right, um, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Um, when I was watching him, we're, we're, you know, I'm, when I evaluate, everybody that I evaluate, I evaluate them pre-combine. So their combine numbers don't have anything to do with, <clears throat> excuse me, my evaluation or my rankings. All combine numbers do, 
uh, for me personally, it's just back to what I see on film, right? And if there's something that is like, wait a minute, he did this? Let me go back and check on this, right? So the main thing that we heard from DK Metcalf was workout warrior. Nobody liked him until he ran a 4-3, which could not be further from the truth, at least for me. Um, when I saw... When I saw DK Metcalf and my my guys from Nothing But Niners can attest to this, I said, hey, you guys, that big-ass receiver, he's going to run a 4-3. They said, no, he's not. I said, yes, he is, and and I can see how he's going to run a 4-3. I'm looking, and I'm looking at how he's running past defensive backs, um, you know, just just how he's doing he's doing it right. There was this one play where Lonnie Johnson, cornerback from Kentucky, he beat Lonnie Johnson off of the line. Really nice release, um, and then ran off on him. Now he's looking back. He was looking back while still running. You know, obviously for full speed. And Lonnie Johnson couldn't catch up. That right there let me know, hey, this guy is kind of like freaky fast. If a cornerback can't close the space at all while a receiver is looking back for the ball, especially since he started looking back right after he beat him off the line of scrimmage and the corner can't catch up at all or close the gap, that receiver is really fast. So I knew right then and there he was going to run really fast. Um, I also, when you talk about eye test, right, because I think the three-cone was something that really knocked DK as far as, like, the public perception. Now, how he is off the field, um, his personality, stuff like that. Other things that can kind of drop a player if they're red flags, injuries. I don't know anything about that. I just, you know, I don't have access to anything like that. I, I just go off of what I see on the film. So I saw that he has really nice releases, right? Um, I thought he had really good, he had a really good use of his foot fire um, matched with his hands. He understood leverage. It was extremely hard, extremely difficult to get hands on and press DK McCaff at the line of scrimmage, right? So a lot of times, somebody like me, I actually like playing the big receivers because, well, a lot of times it's easier to uh, press those big guys. Well, DK Metcalf, he actually showed really good quickness at the line of scrimmage. Not saying that he had quickness um, in his route, but he did have quickness at the line of scrimmage. So now he can beat you at the line of scrimmage with uh, quickness and strength, power, and then run by you. That alone is extremely deadly, all right? And then from there, I just looked at, okay, he's not, I'm not looking at him like he's Odell Beckham. I'm not looking at him like he's uh, Stephon Diggs. I, I, I'm looking at him for what he is. I, I'm not even looking at him like he's Julio Jones, even though he has a certain aspect to it, but I, I didn't think he had the same type of elusiveness. So how do I... How, how am I looking at him and how would he fit into an offense that I would use? Well, I would use, you know, if I were a team that were going to draft him, I would be more, a more uh, vertically pushing offense. Uh, I know I can throw slants to him. I, I don't need him to run crazy routes, right? People saw the three cone. Oh, he can't run this, can't run it. He can't move side to side. Not true. Run slants very well. Uh, digs. Um, you know, I can run, yes. Slants, digs, uh, outbreaking routes. Um, deep crossers, post, go routes. I, I know I th- I can work these things into my offense with him, and I think he can do it my, at a high level. And, uh, you know, to this point this season so far, he's done those things well, right? Not crazy numbers, but like 10 catches, the 20, I mean, 200 and something yards, uh, a touchdown or two, uh, like 24 yards per catch. And, and I think that's something that with him can be extremely consistent just because of his uh, skill set. Right, but it, it, I didn't need analytics to tell me that. That that was just the eye test, right? So um, 
I, and I always think that there are the exception and those guys kind of slip through cracks because analytics kind of pushes them down. So you'll see a guy like Chris Harris Jr., right? And when I look at a cornerback, I look at a few things right off the back. Um, I, I, uh, size is not one of them, right? That's not the first thing I look at. How tall is he? Uh, um, how much does he weigh? That's something that I legitimate, legitimately do not look at when first evaluating a defensive back or a cornerback. The first thing I look at is, and I try to sum it all up into one thing, and I call it fluidity. So that's his uh, his feet. How do his feet, his hips, his hands, um, how does all that work together? And a lot of times I can see that right off the bat. I can see that right away. Um, that's what I put more value in than anything. And then I want to see certain things. Can he run? Well, I don't need a 40-yard dash to tell me if somebody can run. I just need to see on film when he's from um, pressing, can he run with receivers effortlessly? Is he struggling? Um, can he get in and out of his breaks? All those things the film t- tells me. Now, there are some certain situations where maybe somebody played in this game and I, I can't see those things, right? So, for, ex- for example... Byron Murphy, I I didn't uh, with the access that I had, you know, the YouTube clips and everything like that. I never really saw him run vertically with somebody like pressed line of scrimmage. I'm just gonna run downfield with somebody and they're they're straight, they're 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 trying me vertically. I I didn't really see that. So for somebody like him, yes, I do weigh a little bit more on the 40 yard dash. And then as I oh, where he went, he ran a four five five. Now I have questions: Can he legitimately run? with any receiver and I, I, I don't know because I didn't see it in college and his 40 yard dash tells me that might be a question mark so something like that would drop him to the early second round like it did right so I think I'm on the same page with the guys but it didn't tell I it, I didn't need analytics to tell me that I kind of used the eye test and someone like Denzel Ward another guy who's not really tall right shade under five foot eleven Everything on his field, his film jumped out to me like, hey, this guy's a physical freak as far as his uh, speed, quickness, agility, scrappiness, uh, his ability to play in any type of scheme, whether it's uh, a zone scheme, uh, a man-to-man scheme, cover two, cover three. It, everything I saw was, man, this dude can do it all. So I would have taken him top 10 <laughs> just like the Browns did. But again, I didn't need uh, analytics or uh, a combine to tell me those things. Those were things I was really high on pre-combine. All right, so when it comes to uh, 40-yard dash and things like that, I, I do think that they put a lot more stock into it. And some of, for some, uh, I'd say good reason, right? If uh, I think it determines where you get picked, not so much if I like somebody or not. And that's kind of how I look at, at it, right? So um, take my situation uh, with the New York Jets and uh, D. Milliner, who was drafted ninth overall. Well, we were about the same size, 6'1", uh, some change, 200 pounds. I was about 198. I was in that range. He was about 200 pounds. Um, D, uh, D, he was, he ran a 4'3'3". I wasn't a 4'3'3 guy. I was more of a 4'5'5 guy. So just looking at it from that perspective, okay, this guy can run faster. Maybe he's a little quicker, you know. Maybe he showed that on film. Um, 
you know, maybe it's a little easier for him to run with the receivers. I, I think you would think that there's more upside and more value in that. And that's why sometimes you see a guy like him uh, go, you know, they'll take a chance on that uh, before they take a chance on Eric Crocker. <laughs> All right. So I'm going on a rant here about, uh, you know, the eye test or, or analytics. But, you know, I, I think analytics, they do give you the average or the majority, but they kind of leave out the exceptions. And when you leave out the exceptions, really good football players slip through the cracks. All right. Next thing I want to talk about is, you know, what 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 drives you? And this was another question by the Fantasy Stoner. Um, he kind of brought up uh, the small school mentality. All right. So the small school mentality compared to um, guys that kind of play at these big colleges, there is a huge difference in the quote unquote upbringing. Right. I went to a Division two school where, I mean, it was. Whatever you think of, like when you think of like small school, it's probably like that and some, right? You have, you know, 3,500 people at your game um, instead of, you know, 80,000. <laughs> uh, you have, um, you know, you, uh, you know, your meals, your, you know. Okay, for example, when I got to the New York Jets, the one thing that I was blown away by and was extremely excited about was that every day before I went back to the extended stay hotel, I would take a bunch of Gatorades and snacks with me, right? That, that was just something like, what, wait a minute, you mean I can take all the Gatorades I want? I, I can drink all these naked drinks? I can, like, this is free? I get to just take it? Where, you know, so I'm like extremely appreciative just to be able to take Gatorades home, where somebody like D. Millionaire, I'm not saying he was or wasn't appreciative, but at Alabama, you get, I mean, have you guys seen their facility? It's amazing, right? Millions and millions and millions of dollars poured into Alabama's uh, football facility. So when you're coming from Alabama, I don't care about that there's these, you know, five-star chefs. I don't care about that I get all, to take home all these Gatorades, right? You, I think your just appreciation level is a little bit different. Um, I think sometimes that's why you see, you know, people think like, oh, the small school guys are hungrier or, you know, I think it, a lot of it has to also do with what drives you. I, I do this podcast because I love football. I've always loved football. I, I've loved football since, you know, I, I could remember fourth grade. I used to record games on VHSs and watch them back throughout the throughout the uh, the week. Right, like okay, 49ers versus Packers. I'm watching this game all week. I would record on my VHS. Oh, you know, I could rewind it, all that. And then once the new week comes, what do you do? You um, you rewind the tape back to the very beginning. You you, and then you just record over that. So then the next game, I would just record. Okay, 49ers Cowboys. I'm just gonna record this game. I'm gonna watch it back throughout the entire week. I just love football. I mean, I was doing that in the fourth grade. So I guess there's no uh, coincidence, you know, now that. I, you know, I'm, I'm a film junkie and I love watching film and, and doing podcasts, talking about it, all those type of things. Well, everybody's not built like that. And, and I realized that when uh, during the rookie portion, was it, were we in training camp yet or this offensive OTAs? I think this is offensive OTAs. I mean, not offseason off OTAs, excuse me. And um, during offseason OTAs, there was a portion of the day where the rookies, I think the veterans had gone home by the now or they were free to go home. And we would have to stay there for like another two hours. And we would have 
these different classes and all these different things. Well, we used to play these games where it was kind of like a like a football trivia, right? And they would ask things like, you know, you would have your group of uh, teammates, right? There might be like six of you guys on one team. So it might be like me, Geno Smith, D. Milliner, Sheldon Richardson, and Rontez Miles, right? It might be something like that. And we're all on the team, and there's a bunch of other teams or whatever, full of uh, first and second year players. Well, the, the questions would be stuff like, what four teams make up the, the NFC North? So somebody like me that just loves football, obviously, I mean, I can do that at the back of my hand. Like, I mean, that's that's easy for me, right? Well, I quickly realized that a lot of these other dudes do not watch football, and they don't really love it like that. So they had no idea. They couldn't tell you who was in the NFC, who was in the AFC. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you who was in the Jets division, right? So you got the AFC East. Obviously, it's the Patriot, the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets. Jets. They couldn't tell you that. <laughs> they couldn't tell you any of that. So um, quick, quickly, I learned like, man, these dudes, they don't, these dudes don't watch football. <laughs> and I think uh, they also. I don't think they loved the game like that. I, I think they played the game uh, for the money. Not saying all of them, right? There are a lot of guys that love it, and they're probably really good at it. But I think there are a lot of guys that they played the game for the money, and it was more like money-driven. And when it's more like money-driven, I think you are, you know, once you get the money, are you still going to work as hard as you did to kind of get there? And I think that's sometimes why, and I'm not – saying like D. Millen or anybody else. But I think a lot of times that's why you see certain guys uh, kind of really fall off or taper off really quick. And it's like, man, what happened to that guy, right? And you kind of hear it thrown out there like, well, uh, you know, well, he got paid. And then, and it's like, yeah, that, that, that could be true because it's like, how much do you love the game? How much do you love the process? And I think sometimes you see like uh, – Guys that are willing to go to the Division II schools and the D3 schools and the NAIs and they work extremely hard because they're not just, they don't just look at it like, oh, money thing. I think they just, they really love the game. That's why they went to that small school. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't have all this hype coming out of high school. I wasn't the four or five star um, guy. I had to go to the smaller school, Khalil Mack. I had to go to Buffalo or, you know, wherever Khalil Mack went. And, you know, I had to the grind in it. You know, it's like, well, no wonder why this guy is as good as he is. Now, 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 when you are the supreme athlete and you love the game and you appreciate it and you're a student of the game, that's when you can be great. And I think that that guy is kind of going away now. Now, the, the, the reason why I say that that guy is going away, this is the next segment. And I want to talk about the state of high school football. I, I coach high school football. Um, I'm involved in high school football to, um, you know, from 707 to, to, to coaching. I have a 707 program, Elevate, um, Team Elevate. We are pretty damn good. Um, our junior squad has been ranked as high as number two in the nation um, on some rankings, depending on what you look at. Our high school team has been as high as number 12 in the nation on certain, certain rankings, no matter how, you know, depending on how you look at it. And it's really mainly made up of local Stockton kids, Stockton, California. Well, one thing I've noticed with these kids, and I think this is the hard, this is going to be the hard thing moving forward with guys that are like me that really love it, is I don't think these kids love it the way that we love it. I don't think these kids, um, they don't watch football. I always ask them, like, 
hey, you, hey, you guys watch that game? Um, you guys watch that Cowboys Saints game? They're like, oh, you know, I watched a couple plays. That's that's probably the the question. That's the answer I hear more most. Um, when we got to the seven on seven season, which really kicks off in like January, or whatever. Um, especially when we get into like February, Super Bowl's over, season's over. I ask guys like, when was the last time you watched watched a football game? Oh, I watched the Super Bowl, coach. Okay, what what about before that? Um, I watched the 49ers versus Lions. All right, bro, that was week two. That was week two of the NFL. So um, I, I think one thing we are really seeing now, and I don't know why, I think some people say that what I hear most is they're, they're comparing it to concussions, right? Or they're saying concussions are the reason people, parents are keeping their kids out of football. Numbers are going down, Pop Warner, everything, right? It's not concussions. I don't really think that's not the reason why kids aren't playing. Kids aren't playing because they don't love the game. They don't watch TV. They don't watch football. So they don't develop that love and that passion for the game. And in turn, we're losing a lot of kids. We're losing the numbers. They're playing more video games. They're playing on their phone. Their interest, uh, their uh, uh, attention span is extremely short. Um, They can't even watch a full movie. Right, they can't watch a full football game that's three hours long. They don't watch a full basketball game that's two and a half hours long. It, it's it's not. It has. It, I don't want to say it has nothing to do with concussions. <sighs> Maybe some parents are keeping their kids out because um, of concussions. But just from what I see, and I have a front row view at all of this between the uh, high school football coaching at Edison High School, seven on seven, and even at Edison High School, I coach this kid that's extremely. Athletic. He plays corner for me. He plays receiver. He plays running back. His name is Raleigh Brown. Raleigh is a sophomore, and he uh, he he's a sophomore. And before he even stepped foot at um at Edison Southside Stockton Hood, you know, before he even stepped foot on Edison's campus, he already had an offer from USC. He already had offers from like BYU, right? And after his freshman year, it just blew up even more. He already has. So before he even played uh, a game his sophomore year. Um, this year right now, he already had offer from Alabama, Oklahoma, Florida State, um, what other schools, man? Tennessee. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like all over United States, the, the biggest schools, he already had offers from all these schools. Um, it's like, does Raleigh love the game? Does Raleigh? I don't know. Maybe he does. This kid, he pours his all into this. Um, but is it because he's extremely good? Or does he love the game? Well, the thing I'm seeing, and I, I really don't know the answer to that. I'll ask him today at practice. He might say, yeah, coach, I love, you know, he might. Um, great kid. He's a great kid. Hard worker. Um, works extremely hard. Um, but there are a lot of kids that on my team, they don't, they don't love it. They don't love it. And I think that's the bigger issue. People look at it, uh, concussions and, and stuff like that. I don't think that the con- concussions are the biggest issue i think it's these kids don't really love the game like that all right before i continue i want to read off uh talk about a couple of our sponsors our, our good friends here uh when you are selling online getting your orders out can be a pain time consuming expensive so many carriers to choose from so how do you know you are making the right choice well that's why you need shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders uh, man, you know, it helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. 
no matter you know what you are selling uh, amazon etsy your own website shipstation brings all your orders into one simple interface making them really easy to manage from any device even your cell phone shipstation works with all your major carriers uh, including usps fedex ups and even amazon fulfillment so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers they, you know, they even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Uh, now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for, you know, large Fortune 500 companies. Uh, you'll always know what you're getting that you're getting the best deal. So, no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for all online sellers. Uh, you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So, right now, uh, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use your offer code blue there's absolutely no risk you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information just visit uh, visit shipstation.com click the microphone at the top of the home homepage and type in blue that's shipstation.com then enter offer code blue shipstation.com make ship happen all right, so the next topic uh, that I want to discuss, Odell Beckham and Marlon Humphreys, right? And uh, they lost their cool a little bit, right? And there's a video circulating of Marlon kind of, uh, you know, you got Humphreys uh, taking Odell to the ground. And uh, it was like, well, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing right now? And it was, I think people see that and they just think like, oh, Odell, diva. Humphreys probably right whatever the case is but I'll say this I've been in some skirmishes on the football field and it gets testy it, it gets testy and you, you you just kind of lose it sometimes and you try not to because you don't want to hurt the team you don't want to get a flag you don't get a penalty I was kind of a bit of a hothead um I, I don't want to say I was a dirty player I, I think you guys hear me speak and um when people watch me excuse me when people watch me play I think they look at like croc is, is kind of really crazy knowing you because when I played against you and then now I see, you know, it's like you're totally different off the field than you are on the field. <laughs> I was totally different. But, um, yeah, I would, I mean, I, I done choked a few dudes out. <laughs> all, all, all that. Uh, Odell Beckham. I'll say this about him, man. Odell Beckham is my favorite player to watch. And the reason why is because I appreciate for the most part, the way he plays the game. I think he always gives 110%. I think winning means a lot to him. I think, you know, when the Browns or Giants lose the game, I think he really takes it personal. I think a lot of people try to look at it as if he's a me, me, me guy. But really, I think he just really wants to win and he feels like he can help the team win. There was another guy like that. Several years years ago, his name was Terrell Owens, who a lot of people and yeah, there is the famous quote, "I love me some me." Terrell Owens did love him some Terrell. Make sure I say that right. Terrell Owens did love him some him, but his reasoning for that was because he knew what he can do to help a team win, and I think that's the part that kind of gets uh, when people think of like the diva receiver, the the Des Bryant's. You know, there's one that I've heard that really doesn't care how the game turns out as long as he gets his numbers, and that's Antonio Brown. But outside of him, most receivers, 
that I hear and they kind of get that diva tag. They, 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 they get like that. They get frustrated. They blow up. And a lot of that happens because they really feel like they can help the team win. And that's the same with Odell Beckham. Same with Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens would really get upset if the team lost and he did not get the ball because he felt like he could help that team win. He never took a playoff. He worked extremely hard. And it's the same for Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham in the offseason works extremely hard. Extremely hard. Takes care of his body. Works hard. He gives his all to the game of football. And when things aren't going his way on the field, I, I think you can kind of see him get uh, a little bit frustrated, especially if the team is kind of losing. So um, it was funny to kind of see the pictures of uh, what looked like Humphrey's uh, choking <laughs> choking Odell. Um, they kind of, I think it was the the Ravens, I guess they felt the need to put out there like, hey, man, our dude ain't choking this dude. He's just grabbing by the jersey. He's defending himself. And I agree. I think, you know, after looking at the replay, that's what it looked like. But uh, Odell Beckham, man, he's a guy. He, wear, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, But there's a lot of people. He has his negative wraparound. He's a rock star. Is there any name in football bigger than Odell Beckham? Maybe uh, Tom Brady. But I say as far as um, – just who they are, public notoriety, like people knowing who exactly they are when you say his name. You don't even have to say Odell's full name. Just say, hey, Odell. Everybody knows who that is. If you say, hey, did you watch Tom? They might not know. You say Tom Brady, they probably do know. You say Beckham, they know. You say Odell, they know. You say Odell Beckham, they know. You say OBJ, <laughs> they know. All right, dude's a rock star. And um, it sucks that he has like this negative, like, uh, you know, thing attached to his name because I really think that he, you know, I just talked about loving the game. I think he's one of those guys that he really loves the game of football. He just wants to win. And maybe he just has to learn how. All right, before we get into our uh, last segment, I want to get into another reading. Uh, Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Talk about how good men look when their suits fit well. All right, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They they make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. <clears throat> the best part is that you are that they are affordable. Uh, almost all of their custom clothing is under four hundred dollars. Uh, the process is very simple. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Uh, your package will be delivered straight to your door within two weeks. You can get measured and design. You can you can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do all that yourself online at Indochino.com. So uh, start your style uh, upgrade now with thirty dollars off your total purchase of three hundred ninety nine dollars or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. For $30 off your total purchase, uh, $399 or more. An incredible deal for uh, made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore. So, hey, to wear clothing that doesn't fit, don't do that. Look sharp. Look tailored. Indochino.com. All right, here we go. So the last segment uh, here, and um, you know what? I think I'm going to get into like a weekly. I don't know if I just want to do like 49ers or like, you know, we'll talk about some teams, all right? Um, I guess just kind of go around the league, kind of the big 
topics right now. Um, this will only be a few minutes, but I, I guess I'll start with my 49ers. I'm a 49er fan. We're 3-0, right? And I think there are a lot of people that are trying to shoot that down or uh, dismiss it, right? And here's my take on the 49ers. I think the 49ers can go, and I'm really mad every year I <laughs> Before I get in there, I always get sidetracked. But every year I put $100 on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Now, I don't necessarily think they want, they're they going to win the Super Bowl, but I put $100 on there just because it's like, man, you just never know, right? You never know. Freaky things happen, right? I think uh, a couple years ago when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they were a 7-9 team. Then all of a sudden, boom, they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, at quarterback. Who would have thought that would happen, right? Well, so a lot of times I just go, I just put $100 on the 49ers won the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win. Well, most of the time, I don't think they're going to win. But if they do, I'll win a lot of money, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars. All right. Well, this year, I didn't do it. And this year, I, I probably should have. All right. And um, the, the, here's the reason why. And I'm not saying I think the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. But I always say things, right? Um, I was on 95-7 the game. And they asked me, hey, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? And it was simple for me. Uh, or not win the Super Bowl, but who's going to be in the Super Bowl, then who do you have to win? So the two teams I, I have in the Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots, I have the Patriots to win. They said, you have the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl? And I'm like, well, yeah, because there's there's two two things I think that are like, a, you know, a main ingredient to, you know, playing playoff football. Uh, there are a few things, but and then there's one big one I think the 49ers are missing. But you have to be able to play really good defense, right? Cowboys do that very well. They play really good defense. And you have to be able to run the ball, right? Because whether you're at home, whether you're on the road, whatever it is, you have to be able to run the ball. And if you and if you have a serviceable quarterback, you know, a good starting quarterback, and you can run the ball extremely well and you can play really good defense, you can control games, um, you can control the clock, I think that's the main ingredient to really being able to be a Super Bowl team. Now, at the end of the day, you have to beat Tom Brady. And are you going to outcoach Belichick? That's another part to it. But just to get to get there, right, just to say, okay, I want to make it out to NFC, what do I need to do? Play good defense, be able to run the ball. And I'm not saying that that has to be the case. We saw last year uh, Kansas City made it, you know, without much of a run game, and they had a terrible defense, but they were still in the offsides away from playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, but more, more times than not, those two things, they, they travel. Well, the 49ers have those two things. The 49ers have... Um, one of the best, I mean, outside of the Ravens, who all they do is run the damn ball, uh, outside of the Ravens, 49ers have the best rushing attack in the league with guys y'all have never heard of. Matt Breda, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Jeff Wilson. Those are three undrafted guys. I talked about, do you love the game? I bet, I, I bet you this. <laughs> Raheem Mostert, uh, Jeff Wilson, Matt Breda, BMW, they probably really love the game of football. But anyways, um, Three guys you haven't heard from. I mean, uh, Mostert and Breda, there's like a top five guys that have like 10, like, you know, who has the most um, explosive runs of 10 yards or more this year so far? Well, out of the top five guys, Mostert and Breda are, are both up there in the top five. I think there was also Barkley, uh, Elliott, and then somebody else. Well, and that was before week four. Well, um, 49ers can run the ball. But I think an underrated part of the 49ers is they play some badass defense, man. I mean, those dudes are flying around. They're hitting everything. Uh, Quan Alexander has brought this type of uh, just mentality of 
um, just, I mean, he's running around, he's hitting people, he's screaming. Um, Richard Sherman looks like he's uh, doing much better. Uh, Keller Witherspoon is playing extremely well and then got hurt. I, I mean, just the 49ers are really, they have the ingredients. Now, they got to go and beat somebody that, you know, uh, they got to beat somebody that is more of a formidable opponent. So, you know, they got the Rams next week. They have the Browns this week. The Browns this week and then the Rams, those would be two really good opponents for the 49ers to try to win. Now, I'm not saying they'll win both games, but if you can split that, you know, you start off 4 and one I think that's a pretty good start, right? Um, I think the thing that the 49ers have to do better, something that they're struggling with, is turnovers, right? And we saw it last game. Now, there's two ways to look at this. One way is, it's like, damn, 49ers turned the ball over five times and still won. It was a, what, a minus three uh, turnover margin in the Steelers' favor. You, you're not really going to beat good teams that way. So I think some of the things that the 49ers are doing, they have to be able to clean up. And maybe they have, uh, you know, they haven't played against really big-time opponents. And maybe that's helped them get to this 3-0 start. But in the previous years, 49ers weren't winning those games. And in the NFL, you just need wins. At the end of the day, when it comes to the playoff time, I don't think people are going to say, well, the 49ers, the first three games, they beat the the Bucks, who are now kind of like looking good, right? They just beat the Rams. Um, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Bengals, and they beat the Steelers. The Steelers just destroyed, destroyed the Bengals on uh, was it, Monday Night Football. Most people didn't watch that, but it was a decent game uh, if you're a Steelers fan. Well, at the end of the year, nobody cares. You know, just going to look at the record and for the 49ers to be a playoff team. And, you know, if they're clicking on all cylinders, they got all their guys. They have Tevin Coleman back. Uh, I don't know if they need him, but we'll see. They're going to be a team to watch because Kyle Shanahan is really good. I think Robert Sala, the defense coordinator, is really good. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, he's really good. Um, just limit the turnovers. Let's see. So that's my kind of spill on the 49ers in their situation. Um, we'll see some of these young guys get off these receivers and and uh, Emmanuel Mosley. I did a okay. Um, I did a write up on Emmanuel Mosley, who's slated to have his first career start um, in the NFL. He was an undrafted rookie for agent last year out of uh, Tennessee, uh, and he spent. A majority of his rookie year on practice squad when he finally got activated to the 53-man roster against the Raiders on primetime TV. Boom. He hurt his shoulder on kickoff and was put on IR, missing the rest of the season. Well, he comes out this year, training camp, looking good, playing well. Uh, I mean, just it, it was something really cool to see because you see development. And a lot of people, you know, they, they talk about development. But when it comes to these players, man, they're in such a rush to just get instant results. Guys got to go through ups and downs. Guys got to make mistakes, right? Uh, I'm watching NFL Network right now. I see uh, Garner Minshew just throwing the ball around, doing some really good things. But Minshew is going to have his ups and downs. You know, did you like, you know, did you like the talent, you know, with the guy coming into your team? And, and if you do, like, there, there's things to build off of. Well, uh Emmanuel Mosley is one of those, man. And, you know, I, I compared his situation when I was like, man, who can I compare this situation to? Somebody that, you know, I just think they're talented. And, and I'm not saying this guy is Jalen Ramsey or anything like that, right? I'm not even saying that he's a killer Witherspoon and can feel those shoes. But it's like, you know what? He, he He's a talented football player. And I think that kind of goes 
um, overlooked. I think a lot of people think that these NFL players, just everybody is just like so good. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. That is not the case. A lot of it has to do with uh, opportunity. And uh, I think you have a few special guys, um, a lot of times two, maybe three special guys on each side of the ball. The other guys are just guys that just kind of fit. And and they've they've been really good at just doing their job. They don't make a ton of mistakes. And if you have enough guys like that, you can really get through. Now it is it is nice to have the uh, really standout freaky players, but most rosters aren't filled with that. And I think that's what people think that the NFL is. It is not. So you have a guy with like Emmanuel Mosley. There's a lot of guys around him around the league. It's just taking advantage of your opportunity. Where's your mindset at? And you know, I spoke with the guy. I did an interview on him. And, Really good mindset. He reminded me of Terrell Brown. Terrell Brown was a fifth-round draft pick out of University of Texas. Uh, Longhorns, played for the Longhorns, played when they went to the BCS Bowl uh, with, I believe, uh, Mac Brown. And I think that's when they played against uh, USC, I believe. Well, he's a part of that team. Well, he, he gets to the Niners and, you know, drafted fifth-round cornerback. And right away, he didn't play much. Out of, out of his first 55 games, he started five. Right, so his first, his entire first uh, contract, which you know, four-year contract, he started five games. Well, all of a sudden, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh takes over, right? To going into the 2011 season, Harbaugh takes over. This kid now has a fair opportunity to to battle for a starting cornerback position, and he wins the battle, and he goes on to start the next four years for the 49ers. And I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with the Jim Harbaugh era where in those four years, uh, you know, they went to three straight NFC championship games and won Super Bowl, um, lost the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, he was a part of that. Fifth round guy, wasn't the big name person. Most people didn't, uh, probably most people now can tell you who the hell Terrell Brown was. But he was a pivotal part of that 49ers run. He did his job. Played well. He waited his turn. He developed. Um, and when I talked to him, he said, man, you know, I was really self-motivated. I didn't need anything from the outside. I worked extremely hard. I stayed ready because I knew at some point my time would come. And I think that's the thing now that, and I'll end on this. I think that's the thing now that's missing. Guys that are w- willing to stay the course, work hard, wait their turn. And then once they get that real opportunity, Take advantage of it. Because what do we see now? College football transfer portal. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Oh, I'm a freshman. I'm coming in. I'm not playing right away. I'm going to go transfer to somewhere that would play me right away. Oh, uh, I'm at uh, Clemson. Oh, they got this kid Trevor Lawrence that transfers in. Oh, I'm quitting mid-season. Kelly Bryant. Mid-season he quit. One guy who I do respect how he did it was... uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, man, he uh, he rolled out that first year, and and he, and he didn't, you know, he got taken out in the in the championship. Quarterback replaced him in the championship, biggest game of the year. Did he leave? No. What did he do? He said, you know what? I'm gonna stick it out. I'm gonna give everything I have. I'm gonna battle this kid. So he battled. He lost, but he stuck there. He was a good teammate. He stuck around. Really good teammate. Never wavered. End of the season, okay, now, okay, yeah, I'll transfer out. Now, because, well, this guy, you know, I have one year left, and I need to try to get the best out of it that I can. But I gave it everything I had. I gave every opportunity to this. 
And I, I think that uh, more kids could take a page out of Jalen Hurts and what he did. And then what he's doing now. He's like a Heisman frontrunner. Killing it at Oklahoma. But he gave it every chance that he could to stay at Bama and help there. And even when he wasn't the guy, he didn't pout. He didn't quit on the team. He stayed. He stuck it out. He was a good teammate. He was a good backup quarterback. When his number got called in the championship, I don't even know if uh, they would have won without him. But he came in. He made some big runs. He did some really good things. I really love that mindset, man. And uh, on that note, I'm going to end this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Press Coverage Podcast. Make sure you guys follow me at Eric underscore Crocker at Pre- Press Cover Podcast. Um, tons of content. Check it out. Check me. Uh, shoot. Check back in next week right here on the Press Coverage Podcast.